Welcome to African Agenda, where we talk to people about the issues at the nexus of open government, open data, and sustainable development in Africa. My name is Mushiri. And I'm Lynette. Um, and here at African Agenda this week, uh, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, gendered open data. Uh, this is essentially the availability of uh, data that's, uh, that's appropriately disaggregated. In this context, it's data that addresses the SDGs, uh, specifically SDG 1 to SDG 5. Uh, so just a matter of note, African Agenda is produced by the Local Development Research Institute for the Africa Open Data Network. Uh, for more information about uh, Africa Open Data Network or AODN as we call it, uh, please visit africaopendatanetwork.org. That's africaopendatanetwork.org. And you can follow AODN on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, our, our account is Network for Data on all three of them. So let's let's get into it. Um, so just to give uh, all of you a little bit of a background, uh, we've been working here at LTRI and AODN on um, trying to establish a, an, a very simple um, thing. For those working on, on gender equality, women's rights, women's economic empowerment, the evidence that we need to um, to bring to bring about change to push for 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 policy reforms and uh, cultural um, efforts to change cultural norms a, a lot of this is driven by the evidence that we can access this this the kinds of evidence in this case evidences um, are, are of various kinds you have the stories that come from the grassroots from the from the people themselves you have the data that's collected because of the national uh, statistics systems or the administrative systems that exist in governments. You have the research that's done by think tanks, by international organizations. Um, you have a lot of this evidence coming from different sources in different forms that used to get the job done. But uh, within the context of the UN Sustainable Development Goals framework, um, you have official data. This is ofi- this is data that comes from official sources as recognized by those governments. Uh, the, 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 the national statistics offices are usually the main source of official data when it comes to reporting on on on, on, on development, and the, the the indicators that are used for tracking progress on the framework are f- essentially supplied with data from from these uh, official sources. So the the challenge is. Getting access, finding out exactly what do, uh, what do those, what does the data on those indicators show for a specific country? So, if you're working in your country on on issues around uh, gender equality of women's rights, and uh, those issues are captured in one way or another within the first five SDGs, then you'll be looking for data to at least inform the work that you're you're setting out to do. So, what we um, I have been working on within our um, gendered open data. Um, project is to establish the extent to which the data is available that open and appropriately disaggregated because the the whole idea of gendered open data or gendered data is that it allows you to tell the story in a way that differentiates um, men and women in development the outcomes and the impact can tend to be very different uh, between men and women. So, but I'm I'm going to um, kind of stop ranting and going on and on about this work. I will tell you this: um, the report is uh, coming out in just a couple of days. It's, in my opinion, it's a bit of a fascinating read just to see how countries have done in terms of putting out the data. 
the forms they put out in and, and all that and, and also getting an understanding of where we're doing well in Africa and where we're not doing so well in Africa. Um, and a lot of this is, is uh, visualized and you can see your country's scorecard uh, by visiting statistics.africa. Um, so if you just type that into your browser, statistics.africa, you come to uh, a website where you can uh, select your scorecard for your country and, and you can see how it does. Uh, but Lynette, you've been working on this for a few months. Uh, so maybe um, you can drill down, you know, very quickly to the things that uh, caught, your, caught your attention. Sure. I think, you know, like you said, um, this project has, you know, given us a lot of insight a lot, of, a lot of interesting findings on what really goes on um, in terms of countries putting out gendered open data. So I think starting from availability, um, the most interesting thing here is that uh, looking at SDG 1 to 5, and like you said, we were only looking at uh, categories that could be sex disaggregated or category um, indicators that inherently refer to, um, you know, stuff that affects women, so like early marriage and stuff like that. Uh, from all you know, indicators that we were looking at there, we only had 75% of data available, which means that um, even for just these 50 indicators, there's still 25% of data that is not available. So, I mean, this, this is interesting to see that even today and with the SDGs really being specific about what kind of data they require, there's still 25% of data missing for just 50 indicators. So, you know, this uh, points towards a very big gap in terms of, you know, data availability. Um, you know, like you said, we're also looking at where did we find this data? Did we find it on uh, websites of, you know, national statistics offices or, you know, ministries of health? Or did we find it on websites of, you know, multilateral organizations like the UN? So of the available data, that is the 75% that I talked about earlier. 70% of this data was found on websites of... Um, either national statistics offices or, you know, um, official government agencies like ministries of health. And 30%, we found it on um, multi websites of multilateral agencies. I think the whole idea of women's rights organizations in countries being able to use this data is the ease with which they can access this data in, you know, on national statistics website or uh, websites of official government agencies. So the fact that 30% of this data is still only available on multi websites of uh, multilateral agencies is, you know, something that countries need to work on. Um, uh, it is good that multilateral organizations put this data out there, but countries need to be able to put this data on their websites. For their own, for their own people, you know, so that their own constituency can can get access to it. Yes, definitely. And you know, it's it's interesting because governments plan and the fact that they do not have this data at the in country level is also interesting. Like what informs what they do if they don't have this data. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean even in speaking with colleagues in, in, in government and just understanding, you know, how things how things work for them, you know, they will tell you that the, there's a difference between exists and available. And for them the data exists. Mm -hmm. But it's it's sort of and this is this availability component really does um, help us understand first of all the level of transparency we're bringing to efforts to eliminate poverty to reduce inequality to end hunger to reduce gender inequalities because if we are unable to deliver um, you know transparent uh, uh, interventions you know that that's a problem and if people yeah. can't get access to the data that we are claiming in our governments as um, as the basis on which we're making decisions, 
then then that becomes a problem and and and, and so it's actually um, quite important also for everyone to understand that that, that was actually um, a, a key consideration the, the way we, we went about this work is to say um, within our organization we know people who know people you know we have access to networks um, we can we can uh, mobilize our, our social capital we can get uh, data on a flash disk by walking into some office and um, and making a case for it but the vast majority of people can't do that yeah so we we immediately approach this from the assumption that you know a, a regular member of the public looking for this data is going to do the first thing go online look for it on on the net go to a ministry the, the responsible ministry's website the line ministry and and look for for the data there uh, so if if we do not find it there and we do not find it in a multilateral source mm, it might exist but it's not available it's not available yeah yeah so that so that was on on availability um but we're, we're looking at three dimensions right availability and Yeah, so we're looking at availability of the data. We're also looking at um, sex disaggregation, which Mushui had talked about earlier. And we're also looking at um, uh, the openness of the data. So, you know, that in terms of, you know, what formats is the data put out there in and, you know, what what are, what permissions are attached to the data. So in terms of, you know, sex disaggregation, we divided our indicators into... Um, indicators that explicitly required sex disaggregation. So we're looking at indicators on HIV, for instance, that require the country to put data out there um, differently for men and women, and also indicators that did not explicitly require this. So indicators like on ICT that basically required countries to put out data on, you know, what kind of skills do the youth have on ICT. So um, in terms of explicit uh, uh, indicators that required explicit disaggregation, 76% of um, these indicators were sex disaggregated which means, you know, there's still quite a gap in terms of, you know, even the indicators that require sex disaggregation. So governments are putting data out there, but they're still putting it out as for whole populations instead of, you know, differently for men and women. Uh, this is a category that we really want to, you know, drum on in and say, you know, if the indicators require, if the indicators require governments to put this data out differently for men and women, then governments should make the effort to put this out, this data out differently for men and women. For the other category, which is um, indicators that do not require explicit sex disaggregation, 36% percent um, of the of this of, of these um, indicators were sex disaggregated, and you know just like we were talking about this earlier, is um, these indicators do not really require sex disaggregation, but it is important for governments to make an effort to. Um, disaggregate this data. Data, for example, Michelle, that you're talking about um, data on ICTs, right? Yeah. So, you know, ICT has become a very big frontier today in terms of opportunities for the youth and even, you know, employment and jobs, right? So if we're not able to see what the differences are for, in terms of ICT skills for men and women, then it means, you know, there could be a gap there in terms of who has more skills and, you know, in what day, in what way does this then advantage them? in terms of, you know, what can they access, what kind of jobs, you know, what kind of opportunities, yeah, yeah and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, this, this, we already see this playing out in, in many ways. First of all, I think we've always understood that there's a gender digital divide. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, when we talk about the digital divide, thinking about the north and south, thinking about income groups, 
Uh, but that digital divide also exists um, within the context of gender. And if we are tracking ICT skills in populations without being able to tell the nuances within which this is pre- you know, uh, presenting itself, you know, like you say, you end up with a situation where those who are advantaged remain more advantaged mm-hmm. um, and interventions are not speaking to the fact that there is a disparity there that needs to be addressed, whether yes. it's through affirmative action, whether it's through um, targeted capacity building, investments, whatever it is. So we see already sit in, this, in the science, technology, engineering, math, design space. Mm-hmm. It's very male-dominated. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that is one of the indicators that really, you know, make it, you know, obvious that while indicators like this one do not really ask for disaggregation, they would make a lot of difference for governments to go ahead and disaggregate this data. Um, I think the last, you know, um, aspect that we looked at in terms of openness of the data, we were looking at, you know, uh, what formats are governments putting our data in, and secondly, licenses attached to it. So for, for formats, um, the recommended um, formats for data to be presented in are machine-readable formats so that you know, country or individuals going on these websites can download this data and you know, process it in their computers and manipulate it in whatever way um, they find useful to sort of repurpose and redistribute for whatever interventions they're implementing. For this particular project, we made an... Um, we also included PDFs because of, you know, how PDFs give, give context. And, you know, the premise of this was sometimes you might come across a data set online with numbers, but without context, you, you know, it makes it really difficult for individuals to understand it. So we made an exception for PDFs. But, you know, we still would like to make the case that as much as um, we made an exception for this, it is important for countries to in addition to PDFs, present their data in machine-readable formats, you know, such as CSVs and JSON. So formats that people can actually, you know, play around with and repurpose in ways that are useful to them. So 72% of the data that we found was presented as PDFs, with only, you know, 16% presented in other machine-readable formats. So that means if we didn't have, um, if, if, we, if we were strict you know, and excluded uh, PDFs because the challenge with PDFs is that you can get a PDF that is that can be read by a scraper, a digital tool that can extract tables and things like that into datasets. Um, but you know, there are some which, which are essentially scans um, of, of documents which, which are harder to extract data from, even with uh, with optimal uh, with optical character recognition (OCR). Uh, so because of that, you know, you don't know which PDF you'd be looking at. You know, if, if we had been strict and excluded PDF, it means that the number of countries that would have had data available would have been very few. Yeah, I mean, it's only 16%. And we have to remember there's a few, you know, um, there's data on a few indicators that were solely available on multilateral sources. And it is mostly these multilateral sources that make available data in other formats. So that means we, if we were to look at the national level, we would probably have a 1% score or something, which yeah. is, you know, extremely worrying. So you're looking at 99% of, multi, of national sources, meaning a government website, um, for either for a ministry or for a national statistics office that has that data in an Excel, a CSV, 
um, or some other high, you know, techie, uh, compatible, f- you know, format like JSON, which by the way, JSON is not a boy's name in this case. It is J-S-O-N. <laughs> Go- Google it. <laughs> it we'll go into it. Um, yeah, and, and being able to speak to these data sources through APIs and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think that 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 does that does tell us that there's a lot of work to be done. Um, thank God for PDFs. At least we got some data out in in many countries. Uh, we were able to do that in some context. You know, there's there's a needle there that's moved in the right direction. Uh, but it's it's on to the next the next thing. So as a community, maybe those are some of the things we should be uh, putting on the table of our uh, colleagues in government and saying, hey, um, marks for effort. Now let's let's really let's really bring our A game um, mm. to this. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think it's it's important for us to say that, you know, we're not saying PDFs are bad and, you know, they're useful in terms of context. But if you could give you, if, if governments put out the data in these other formats, then it would be useful to put together the context and the actual numbers to manipulate them in, you know, ways that are useful to you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, with open data, the big thing that makes data open is permission. Yes. Right. So uh, terms of use. How, how did African countries do on on attaching an explicit license on this. Uh, so because there, there are two levels here, which maybe I should let everyone know we didn't, we didn't look at two, the two levels, and I'll just say what the two are. One is you find a terms of use on a platform. So the website has its terms of use. Um, and then sometimes you'd find a piece of content on that site that is downloadable, having a, a different uh to terms of use. So there's sometimes that uh, lack of uh, coordinated licensing. Um, so we, we didn't look at the at the terms on the website as such. We looked at the terms on the pieces of content that we're looking for, which was the data related to the indicators we're, we're, we're tracking. Excuse me. Within SDG 1 to 5, right? Yes. I mean, that that's correct. So... In cases, you know, for most African for most African countries that we were looking at, where it was a PDF, we were looking at the license attached to the PDF. Unless you know the PDF did not have a license, then we ref- referred to the license that was attached to the website. Right. So, in, mm-hmm. and by, by license here, of course, we're talking about when you open up one of those documents and you flip around, you see is a section that says copyright. You know, all rights reserved. You know. Um, uh, what does it usually say something like distributing you know uh or repurposing of this content without permission it, it has it has various threat levels <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we will find you in your sleep and we will catch you then there are those that give um permission and say you can do whatever you want just give us attribution there are those that say you can do whatever you want but it, you're not allowed to use this for commercial purposes so creative commons licenses give you know um give you a, a variety of options to uh, to use in terms of attaching a set of permissions. So in this case, as we say, a license. Um, yeah, so we had we had a, a, a good number that had no, no, no permissions, no, nothing explicitly said, right? Yes. So of, you know, of all the data that we had, only 55% had a terms of use, which means, you know, 45% did not. And then, you know, the absence of a license is also a big issue. The absence of a terms of use makes it difficult for members of the public to use this data. So you do not know what that means. Does that mean that you can use this data? Does that mean that you cannot use this data? So it's a very gray area. 
when there's an when the terms of use or the license is not there. You know, so that's also you know something that governments need to address in terms of making sure that when they put data out there or on websites of government agencies and national statistics offices that there is an explicit terms of use mm-hmm. on the website or on documents that people can look at. Um, so of the 55% that was present, 99% was semi-restrictive. So, you know, where they put a condition to it and they say you can use this data, but this kind of people cannot use it. So if you're going to use this data, you know, to not for um, interventions that are going to benefit the public, then you cannot use this data. So actually quite a bit of them, 99% had semi-restrictive licenses and only 1% of the data had a, a fully non-restrictive license. Meaning, you know, here here's the data, go do, I give you permission to go and do whatever you want with it, exactly. wherever you want with it. Which, with which is the ideal, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, so. it is the ideal. I mean, that's the whole idea of, of, um, of, of having an open uh, um a data initiative it's the whole idea of of, of putting out open data mm-hmm. right right yeah so i mean the, the numbers here i think are very important uh, 99% and just 1% uh, of non restrictive licenses i think this paints a very bleak picture of what openness in itself looks like in terms of the data put out by governments so i think here is you know where we need to call up uh, we need to call upon our governments to become very deliberate in terms of you know putting out um, you know, explicit licenses that are non-restrictive so people can actually use this data because otherwise it's them shooting themselves on the foot. You put data out there and people cannot use it. Yeah. Uh, the, at the end of the day, especially in, in, uh, in Africa, our, our countries need to punch above their weight. Uh, and the only way to do that is to, is, to, is, to, is to work with partners, work with partners in country and, and partners that are from outside the country um, and one of the ways to help your partners help you is put the data they need to get the job done at their disposal. Um, some of those partners are your community-based organizations working at the grassroots. Some of them are your national NGOs. Some of them are your offices of uh, international NGOs and multilateral institutions. Making that data available and open in open formats, uh, CSV and whatnot, but with with open licenses makes it easier for people to see where they can bring value, where they can bring the interventions to help you as a government um, uh, move faster in the direction that we are all trying to trying to get to. Um, I, I think we will go back and look at how countries are working towards gender equality in Africa in the context of the protocol on the rights of women. Um, you, you get to see some of this uh, dynamic that the government doesn't have all the machinery, all the infrastructure it needs right now to be able to tell everywhere where there is uh, an incident of um, of female genital mutilation or gender-based violence or uh, uh, um, child, early child marriage. So, you, you know, you have this... Um, population that is rooting for 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 you that wants to, these things to end but without the data without the information that they need in order to contribute their efforts then they are hamstrung and and that that cannot possibly have a good outcome for anyone yeah de- definitely not i i think you know at, at the heart of good implementation and moving forward the gender equality movement is data and you know for any advocacy to happen for any good policy to be put out there and even for governments and you know community 
based organizations to put their resources where they're needed most. There needs to be, you know, data that shows them where the gaps are instead of, you know, them putting or pumping money into areas that have seen significant progress. So, you know, I, I definitely believe that, you know, governments need to work together with uh, women's rights organizations and community-based organizations working on gender equality if we are all to realize gender equality. Yeah. That's absolutely true. So, um, so watch out for, look out for the report. Um, it's going out um, this uh, last week of September. Uh, you'll be able to download it on the Africa Open Data Network website. Uh, but follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we'll be putting out um, the the link to download the the, the report there as well. Um, in the meantime, go on to statistics.africa, find your country, uh, look at the scorecard uh, based on uh, our own findings and uh, and share it. Share it and also give us your feedback. Let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what you'd like to see in future um, scorecards of this nature and you know what you'd find most useful in trying to push for progress on, on women's rights um, broadly uh, everywhere across the continent. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you, Lynette. Oh, thanks, Mushi. You guys are the absolute rock stars here at LTRI, uh, making making magic happen. Um, and we, we're really believing that this is going to be a useful resource for um, for for all of us working, especially those in the gender data community within the Africa Open Data Network. Uh, so if you'll be at the International Open Data Conference in Buenos Aires, um, look out for us on the on the Thursday. Is it the Thursday or the Friday? Um, we will have the, on the Friday, we will have the um, Africa Regional Session, um, the, the, the Sub-Saharan Africa Regional Session. So please uh, join us. Uh, we'll have a specific uh, group looking at the issue of gender data, uh, in addition to those working on health, agriculture, education, and open contracting. Uh, so please do join us. Let's, take, let's move this conversation off into that as well. And uh, sign up to uh, AODN. Come to our website and, and sign up if you haven't already done so, so that you can join our newsletter and get um, updated information. We have uh, regular conference calls for the communities. And the next round is happening in the uh, second week of October, I believe it is. Yes, second week of October. Yeah, so um, you, you, the, the links and all, and all that will be shared on, on, uh, on the newsletter for that specific data community. So um, we, we hope to see you there. So thank you very much. Enjoy your week and till next time. Bye-bye.